This is the Strategic Hotbox Reel with Dr. Brandy Love Stankovic. Remixing your favorite episodes and moments and giving you the tools to achieve greatness. It's time to kick some Today's topic, all the feels. Welcome to the Strategic Hotbox. It's your girl, Dr. Brandy Stankovic. We are in for a huge treat today. We're going to talk all about love. What's your purpose? Size doesn't matter. Men in leadership. All right, let's get started. A hundred ways to love. To start that off, uh, love is probably one of the most important things in my life. It's one of the most important things I think in human nature and what we should do. And not just in a, a romantic sense, but in how we build relationships in business, how we can build relationships as leaders. Network is, is essential. Um, networking and building a network is essential to business and your leadership and your future. Uh, I think it's all about that. And we need to just spread this message and messages of positivity so much more. So tell us about your journey. You know, I've been doing things, you know, on you know social media long before the 100 series as far as helping people out and uplifting them, whether it's just, you know, putting out, you know, a, a friendly quote on my on my timeline or sure. you know, giving some advice or even giving out personalized messages to to my friends. You know, if I see that they're posting something that, hey, yo, you know, they're down and out, they're depressed, I'll, I'll personally go into, you know, their inbox and, you know, just say, hey, you know, I believe in you. I'm there for you. you no, know, you're capable of more, uh, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, just really just, you know, caring and giving back to people. I started my journey with finance and my approach to my career was very much the, oh, the next, the next chapter will reveal itself as I continue through the book. But what I wasn't really questioning at the time was whether I was reading the right book. Mm. And I learned about that as I progressed through my finance career, I was, I was being told by a lot of people, sales marketeers that I was dealing with, that I wasn't your typical finance person. Huh. And for so much of the time, I felt that must mean I was not very good at my job, perhaps, um, that they thought um, I wasn't a great accountant. But what I learned when I actually sought to ask them questions around what that meant was they felt I had an understanding around people and the way I engaged with people that was much different to how my counterparts in the same profession were doing. Sure. And I started listening to that. And I think whilst that was nice at the time, I thought, oh, they just, yeah, I've got good people skills. But what does that really mean in respect of my purpose? Sure. And I navigated up my career focusing still on if I get to CFO level, then I've made it. Mm. But deep down, I knew getting to CFO level was just about me, my ego, my sense of identity with proving that I can be at the top of the food chain, but not necessarily where I felt I was in my heart space. And when friends would say, so what would you do once you've got to CFO? Mm -hmm. My answer would typically be, well, when I'm there, I'll quit and do something I love. I I want to talk about a little bit about my journey as myself, Please. because I will tell you that as a child, I was blissfully unaware that I was chunky. Um, I kind of just did my own thing always. Um, and it lasted clear until high school. In fact, my first boyfriend, I sat down to him next to him in lunch and I said, I like you. So what are we going to do about that? Oh, I love that. <laughs> we ended up yes. dating for about five years. Um, he was the same height as your husband. Um, and I obviously am too. I'm just kidding. I'm five, three. <laughs> and, um, 
it just didn't bother me. But once you hit those certain ages, then kids become mean. Your your peers become mean. Um, so it became apparent to me around end of high school into college that I was gaining weight and not understanding why. Um, I actually was doing things to prevent it. I was swimming 60 laps four times a week. I wasn't yeah. losing a pound. Um, and then flash forward to 20 years old, I got married. And the first thing I wanted to do, of course, is the American dream is have a child. And it wasn't happening for me. So uh, we tried for nine years, my husband and I. I went to several specialists and all of whom said, well, gosh, you're overweight. They really didn't look into it any further. They didn't um, diagnose me with anything. That happened for nine years. And I want to say I saw about six specialists. Wow. Um, all of them said, gosh, you're too big. You can't have a child. Uh, I looked at my husband about the ninth year and I said, one more doctor. That's all I'm doing is one more doctor. And I took a chance on a small town doctor in Mitchell, South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And he looked at my massive file, he thumbed through it, and he said, I know exactly what you have. You have polycystic ovary syndrome. I had no idea what it was. Um, but looking it up now, it's just this huge umbrella of yuck, especially for a female. Um, you can have facial hair, you can have thinning hair, um, you can't lose weight. Uh, he put me on medicine, and the very next month, after nine years of trying, I was pregnant with my Wow. Son. As an athlete, most athletes are, are very self-driven. Um, the, the higher you go in your sport, the more internal, intrinsic motivation you probably have. And, and football is the ultimate team sport, so it's weird because you can't do anything without everybody else, but you're also not going to be on the field if you don't do your part. And so it's funny just going from being an athlete to – being a business owner, just being used to chasing goals and, and, and chasing dreams and, and big visions, but then having these little kids now that, uh, that depend on me, right? So my wife tells me, she's like, there's one thing you've taught me is how to be selfish. She said, because I look at you and I, and, and I see that, you know, your goal is to fulfill your dreams. Now, granted, by fulfilling your dreams and chasing the aspirations that you're chasing, you're also taking care of the family. But it's interesting to see how you can be selfish in the pursuit of what makes you happy and what makes you whole in order to provide for us as a family. So do you ever think to yourself, I want to get better? Do you ever think, I just, I want to get better? And I've, I've found myself doing that from time to time going, yeah, I just want to get better. And, and maybe don't even have like a, 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 a way to get better. Or I don't even know what to do. And I actually saw a meme recently, and I may have shared this on the podcast before, but it says, I bought my girlfriend a get better card. She's not sick. I just think she could get better. <laughs> I know it's terribly inappropriate, but it's also just awesome. And the thing that we just, we should push each other to get better. I want to get better. But what does that mean? And I think sometimes we set goals or people will set goals and they're so elusive that it's, it's impossible to really know how it is that, that we want to go forward. And I find myself wildly envious of people that seem to have their life and passion and purpose figured out. Um, and I was talking to my kindergartner the other day, it's career, they have their career 
career, you know, line and, and throughout the year they, they think about what they're going to be when they grow up. And so I was talking to him and I asked him and I said, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my, my kindergarten wants to be a police officer. And so I said, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm still trying to figure it out. And my little guy just kind of looks at me and he just starts cracking up like a deep belly laugh from the back seat of the car. And I like flip around I'm like, dude, like, why are you laughing at me? And he just kind of looked at me and he's just like, you know, why on earth could you possibly, you know, think that? And I'm like, first of all, A, I'm not old. I'm, I'm cool. I'm hip. Like, how dare you? You know, like whatever. And he's like, clearly, you know, you're already a grown up. And I was like, secondly, I'm allowed to be figuring this out forever. And, and, and will I ever even really have it figured out? I think that we all want purpose, a reason to be, a reason to get up in the morning to make a difference. And sometimes purpose, um, finding a purpose isn't easy. And even when you do, what does that mean? I think that I have my purpose figured out. I believe that my purpose on this planet is to energize results. I know that I'm intended to help people to be the best versions of themselves. Anything that I can do to, to support the people around me to get out there and do what they're supposed to do. Um, one of the most powerful situations was in a store actually. And a woman I just happened to be in line in front of her and a woman was um, super in a hurry, way, way more in a hurry than anybody else in the world. Um, <laughs> and she was just commenting on the amount of food that I had on my on the conveyor belt thing there. And um, it was one of those times where I was out of groceries and I'm talking about SpaghettiOs. For oh, a week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, she was just making very rude comments. And I turned around. It was making me a little sweaty. It was making me a little uncomfortable. And I turned around and I put my hand out and I said, my name is Nancy. What's yours? And I learned that she was stressed about bills. I learned that her son's birthday was coming up and she didn't feel like she had enough money for it. I learned that I was not her problem. Mm -hmm. There were other problems. And she actually thanked me. Um, she actually gave me a hug. And we parted ways. And that moment was the moment that I felt, oh my gosh, I've had this ability all along. I need to use it. August of 2015, I officially started the 100 series. Excellent. Um, so, and then uh, the first official project for the 100 series was called 100 Days of Awesome People. <laughs> and uh, with that project, I was going in my community, I was finding people that were just you know, doing uh, extraordinary things. I mean, they're not celebrities. They're not, you know, big time athletes. They're just, you know, your neighbors, you know, moms, dads that are, you know, just going above and beyond help people in their community. I'll give you an example of a woman. Her name was Tina. Um, she and her husband, um, unfortunately, they lost their infant son to a heart defect about a month oh, after gosh. he was born. But what they decided to do was they, they, uh, they started up uh, their own organization to help other parents who uh, had suffered a similar losses. So they're using a tragedy in their life to, to help other families in similar situations. How, how can people either one, fight through the stigma of a position or two, recognize that maybe they don't fit the mold of a position so they could reinvent the mold or realize that the mold isn't for them? What I learned through my journey 
was until I cultivated my own sense of identity from the inside, that my outside identity was always going to have greater power because I was at the mercy of what other people thought. Mm -hmm. And CFO for me meant other people would think I was important. Mm -hmm. It meant other people would think I was worthy. And it meant other people would think I was very, very intelligent. Mm -hmm. And it was all about seeking to belong, to fit in and to be part of something. But once I started to cultivate my inner sense of identity around who was I first, you know, what was the truth? I, I was always going to be a daughter. I was always going to be a sister. And how could I focus on the truth that was unchanging this, by getting still and understanding myself that allowed me to really see that my identity wasn't going to be influenced by an external environment. And what that then creates is the freedom for you to choose what you want to do because you're not attached to the idea of a title giving your life meaning. Now, Mark Manson, there's an author out there that has written a really awesome book, and we've talked about it here before, but The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up, you know, and he he gives a a few questions um, and he talks about how to help you define your purpose. And a couple of those questions I thought were really uh, good to talk about today. Uh, The first is, what's your favorite flavor of shit sandwich? And he talks about basically the idea of, does it come with an olive? Because quit whining. I mean, really, everybody has a life that is not great some of the time. Pick something and do it and realize that it's not going to be great all of the time. And everybody has to deal with things that aren't great some of the time. And I really believe that. And I think so often people think, oh, well, once I find my purpose, then forever life is going to be this beautiful dance of rainbows. And I'm just going to, you know, just run in flower fields and, and chase butterflies. And that's just just not true. Do you think that dads in the world today are pulling their weight in the home? So look, I, I'm gonna say yes, but if my wife were sitting right next to me, she'd probably say no, right? <laughs> um, but but it's a conscious effort, right? When I when I come home, I try to get home every night, two hours before my kids' bedtime. And I do that for a couple of reasons. Um, I want to make sure that they see me before they go to sleep. So my routine with them is after they eat, I bathe them, I brush their teeth, I read to them, and then I put them to bed. Um, Some of the other stuff, not leaving my clothes on the floor or cleaning up, that's probably where I don't hold my weight as well. (laughs) Uh, But it's a conscious effort for me to be as involved in, in that side of it as possible. And what is the hardest thing that you've had to overcome when it comes to size and weight discrimination? Oh my gosh, the stigma of being overweight. Um, the stigma of we all like buffets. Oh gosh, I don't I don't map my day by what buffets are close to me. In fact, I hate them. Like you said um, that people have said you must like a, a buffet? Oh my absolutely. gosh. Yep. That is, or, oh. Yeah. Or if I'm in a group of people and somebody will say, well, I'm sure you want to go to a buffet. Hmm, really? Um, Ooh, so I don't chills. Map, Yuck. I know. And I don't map my day around buffets. In fact, anything that requires a sneeze guard is not really my appetite. <laughs> oh. So, um, oh, and, the, and the stigma that every overweight person is unhealthy. Right. That's not the truth. And That's that not. we don't take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, like, like a lot of people say, you got to work with what you got. And mm -hmm. I like to think that I work with what I got. Why do you oh. think the world needs this positivity? I, I think it's uh, just for the reason that we're talking about at the beginning of the show. I mean, we see just so many negative things that, that we forget about all of the positive things that are going on right in our own backyard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I can talk about, again, about how you know, amazing all, the, all these people are. And we can get into a rut, especially on social media, because I see it a lot on my Facebook page about how you know, people can talk about all these negative things and how like all... Oh, all these negative things are happening. Well, it's like, no, we have so many positive things that are happening right here in our own hometown. And I'm going to show you all these positive things that are happening right here in our own hometown. So people so, can get to know it. Exactly. So I want, I want to have that steady flow of positivity going so that people know that there are good things happening. Mm -hmm. You know, because I, cause the last thing I want to see is a friend of mine losing hope. Mm-hmm. I cannot, I, I, that it really breaks my heart to see, a, a, you know, someone on my Facebook page that says that, you know, they have no hope at all. Yeah. And I want to show, I want to show them, you know, people who, cause I know I can't relate to everyone, but I know that I can talk to someone uh, who, who they can relate to. If you knew you were going to die one year from today, what would you do and how would you want to be remembered? In the next year, what would you do with your life? And if you think about that over the course of the next year, what would you want to make sure you were a part of? Who would you want to make sure that was in your life and that you could connect with? And I think that's really powerful. And if you could live and focus ourselves in that purpose, I mean, that's, that's at least being more intentional with our actions. Yeah. So how can people, if, if the signs aren't obvious, if people are like, listen to the universe, who are these broads? I don't even know what they're talking about. Someone's listening or watching thinking that. How can someone pick up on the, the signs? How can they begin to this journey of finding their purpose? I think it's... Um actually a really easy step people can take is to decide to choose a purpose and what I mean by that it doesn't have to be big and it doesn't have to be grand and it doesn't have to be something that you choose to do for the rest of your life but it could start with something as small as today I'm going to be really intentional about choosing my purpose to put a smile on every person I meet mm -hmm. today I'm going to be intentional about choosing a purpose to make sure every one of my friends and family knows that I love them or that I make eye contact with a stranger and I connect. And it can start with the smallest of steps, but at least you've made an intentional choice about picking what your purpose could be if you didn't know. And I think a lot of people wait and look at other people and say, oh, it's okay for you. It's easy for you. Your purpose revealed itself and now you're following it. But it doesn't always work like that. I think right. if you choose the next, it's like traveling in a car at night. You've got your headlights on and the road, you know the road ahead of you, but you can't see it. You can only see the tiny bit that's lit up by your headlights just in front of your car. And you move towards that light. And as you move forward, the next bit of the road reveals itself and the next bit of the road reveals itself. And that's what I look at with purpose is if you can make a choice to get in that car, turn the ignition and, and drive in the dark with your headlights on and trust that each, each step of that path will reveal, reveal itself as you move forward. 
but be intentional about getting in the car and choose the car that you want. And so what's an unexpected learning of your journey? What's something that's happened along the way? Really how tough it is to, to truly be selfish, I guess, right? Because uh, the hardest part about being somebody who is intrinsically motivated to keep getting better is that now it's not just about sport. You know, my only job used to be get up in the morning, go work out, study my playbook, just make sure I eat what I'm supposed to eat to keep myself healthy. That used to be my only job mm -hmm. as a professional athlete. Now as this professional dad, entrepreneur, former athlete, I have to make sure that I'm doing the stuff that I need to do to keep myself healthy, working out, eating right. I have to make sure that the business is being run well um, from a from an operation standpoint, from a sales standpoint, from a motivation of, of my employee standpoint. And then I have to make sure that my kids are not just taken care of financially, but I'm able to support them, you know, emotionally. And then I also have to keep my wife happy, right? So, so one of my favorite quotes is, men we don't multitask well so on this journey that has been the hardest part mm -hmm. is being able to multitask these four different aspects of my life um, and still try to achieve greatness the way that i did when i was singularly focused just on sport whatever it is you want to do with your life do it don't 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 be afraid of you know, what people might, what, what people may think of you, live the life that you want to live. You know, there are people out there who will support you. There are people out there who will help you live your life 100% because that's really what it comes down to. That's really what, what the 100 and 100 series is all about is giving 100% of yourself every single day and whatever it is you do, whether that's at your job, whether that's, you know, at the gym, whether that's being a mom, being a dad, being a best friend, whatever it may be, just be it to the max, maximum yeah. effort. And when it comes to size, doesn't matter. When you hear the term discrimination, when you when we talk about discrimination, especially in the world right now, the way it is right now, what ends up being top of mind is things like race, gender, sexual orientation, and all of those things are very important. There is an additional important topic, and that is weight discrimination. And many people don't even realize how often size or weight discrimination occurs in life. As a matter of fact, it's the, more, it's the fourth most prevalent type of discrimination in, in the United States anyway, and I know it occurs in different places in the world. So those of you that are listening from different places all over the globe, you may see instances of this as well. And it's almost like it's a misnomer or there's like this justification that makes it okay be, uh, to discriminate based on size because it may or may not be lifestyle related. It may or not be in the control of the person person that is receiving this discrimination. I, you know, as little as probably five years ago, when somebody would make a comment to me, I literally wanted to just have the earth suck me in. Yeah. I wanted to just be invisible. Um, I don't know what changed for me other than the fact that I saw those moments as pivotal moments for me to react with kindness mm -hmm. because I learned so quickly that hurt people hurt people.
So something has happened to them. Something has made them so abrasive. And it's not my fault, but I happen to be the face of it. And I can turn that around. And that's a choice that I get to make. And that's kind of magical. I get to choose to use those as teaching lessons rather than, you know, going at it. And that's not going to solve anything. So how do you feel that uh, this role has evolved? I shared that stat about the fact that, that more men are getting involved. But how has it evolved in the last 20 years as far as men in the home? So that's a great question. I think that, that number one, um, right now my wife is a stay-at-home mom, but that's by choice. She is a, a, a journalist. Um, she went to the new school. She's written cover stories for Jay-Z and Lil Wayne and Rihanna for Billboard magazine. And and we made the choice when we started having kids that she stays home while um, the kids are growing up. And and I think that's a little bit different. I think the expectation has been that the wife stays home home with the kids. Um, I think now women are making the choice despite being very professional, doctors, lawyers, and in, in the case of my wife, uh, an award-winning journalist, they're making that choice to stay home. Yeah. So what that does is that puts pressure on the father to not only uphold his end of the bargain, you know, from a financial standpoint and br- to bring the money in to, to, to pay the bills, but it also says, when I get home, I, I need to clean up. I need to bathe the kids. I need to, you know, put them to sleep. I need to do all of these others because my wife isn't staying home because she has to. She's staying home because she wants to. So it's truly a partnership. Um, It's truly an, an ecosystem where in order for us to be able to do that for our kids, we have to work together in the business and our budgeting in the way we spend money, in the way we save money, but also in the house. You know, what, who's taking the kids to school? Who's putting the kids to sleep? Who's giving them baths? Who's feeding them? So I think that that's where the most involvement has come from. It's truly become a, a partnership between the business and the personal when those um, moms decide Absolutely. To, to stay at home when they don't have to. Let's get out for our shout out. Hola. My name is Adrián, I'm from the Mexico. And guys, remember that tacos are not dishes. Tacos is a way of life. You're listening to Brandy on Strategic Hotbox. Peace. Uh, here in Belfast at the Crown, uh, waiting to meet with Lord Jameson's. And uh, just wanted to send a big shout out to my baby girl, Brandy Stankovic. Uh, look to see her on Strategic Hotbox. My name is Willie Kenyon, and I'm listening it's my favorite time your favorite time it's time for us to kick some ass here's our top five first choose love i said it in the video about las vegas it you know whether it's after tragedy or day to day if ever given the opportunity to make the choice choose love choose it in your relationships choose it in your approach to life support one another be a part of positivity number two is to think 
differently. If you happen to be one that is a traditionalist or one that, that thinks that certain gender roles are in certain places or certain people should act different certain ways, then now it's time to just step outside of that. Let it go. Loosen up. Think a little different. Let's have some fun. The world allows us this opportunity to be able to think differently. So stretch the mind. Number three, explore and try everything. Think about and revisit things that you've done in your younger self. Think about things that you want to try new or that you used to want to try new. And now give yourself the chance and ability to be able to do that. Number four is to know your worth. I love that she doesn't use certain hurtful words in her home. And I urge you to do the same. Know how valuable and amazing that you are. Know and believe inside of you that you are a beautiful human being. And that no matter what some impatient woman says at the grocery store, you are intended on this planet to be here and to be something and live that purpose and live for what you believe in and what you think is right. And finally, number five is act. Take that first step. Kick ass. That's what it's all about. She's got the act right in the middle of her heart framework. And of course, we learn, we love, and we kick ass. There's your top five. We'd like to hear from you on any other topics that you want us to tackle here on the Strategic Hot Box. Hit us up, podcast at strategichotbox.com. Head on over to our website. We have all of Nancy's info, all the other guests. We've got worksheets and tools and videos, lots of snippets and fun things to help you kick ass along the way and make some things happen. And uh, you can always hit us up on social media as well. Lots of you are out there on Facebook with us. We've got Instagram. We've got Twitter. We got you. Come find us. Until next time, be kind and kick some ass.